The Pittsburgh Steelers have made a flurry of free agent signings in the last week, including several on defense. Where do these new players and new faces fit in? What will the defense look like in 2022? I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. Welcome to the cutting room floor. Steelers signed a decent number of free agents, including some of their own, but there's some new faces as well. Uh, Cornerback Levi Wallace, linebacker Miles Jack, a couple of pretty solid additions, Miles Jack being a pretty big name. And while the Steelers may not be done yet, most likely are not, as they are still lacking a strong safety. I wanted to look at the positions where players were added and also re-signed, and look at think of, and talk about what their roles might be in the new season. Let's start with the defensive line. That's where we have the least signings. The big news on the defensive line so far is the expected return of both Stefan Tuitt and Tyson Alualu continues to be the hope for Steeler fans that will strengthen a defensive line that ended up terrible last year. But the Steelers did make one signing, bringing back mid-season edition Montravius Adams. Montravius Adams, in his time on the Steelers, was either the second or third best defense uh, run defender on the defensive line, depending on what week you watched. Isaiah Loudermilk towards the end of his rookie season, was really inconsistent. And so on on the days where Loudermilk was at his best, on the weeks he was was really shining, he was better than Montravius Adams as a run defender. Uh, But Montravius Adams on the the games where Loudermilk wasn't as strong was, was the second best run defender behind only Cameron Hayward. And when everyone was playing well, he was number three behind Isaiah Loudermilk. Montrevious Adams does bring more than Loudermilk brings as a pass rusher at this point, uh, but that's not saying a lot. <laughs> that's like saying, you know, like saying Benny Snell offers more than Ben Roethlisberger does as a running back. Isaiah Loudermilk had no idea how to rush the passer. It was, it was pretty sad. And uh, Montrevious Adams was, you know, decent. What's interesting to me is Montrevious Adams' role next year because the nose tackle position under Brian Flores is a bit different than most players, most places. Brian Flores runs a ton of stunts. Keith Butler ran a lot of stunts. Brian Flores runs more, including a lot from the zero or one tech nose tackle spot. He will frequently in sub packages put linebackers up there at you know over the center in that zero tech one tech spot, which is which is right across the center. It's where the nose tackle normally lines up, just to mess with the other team and make them account for him. And he ran a lot of outside stunts with those guys, where they would loop outside and end up pass rushing from from an outside position while the you know defensive ends crashed inside. If you have a more athletic nose that can run those kind of stunts, you can 
do some more of that out of heavier personnel and make it work. The Steelers have those type of players with Montrevious Adams, but also with Carlos Davis, who is a speed nose tackle. It's a weird stat. We we I've wondered about like well, how why are you grabbing a guy with a, with a you know with speed as his major asset as a nose tackle, uh, but they did, and these kind of players could have an interesting role in Brian Flores' defense. Moving on to linebacker. The Steelers re-signed Robert Spillane, and they added Miles Jack. I'm going to save Miles Jack and uh, Levi Wallace for the second half of this episode. Uh, Robert Spillane is solid depth and a really good special teamer. It's the kind of player you want to keep around, and he's not going to be expensive. The... uh, the other players I want to talk a little bit more about are Marcus Allen and Miles Killebrew, who are both re-signed. They are both in that hybrid safety linebacker gray area, you know. There's a lot of college teams that use a hybrid linebacker safety position. They call it all kinds of different names, but you're a pass rusher, you're a run stopper, you're a coverage guy. You you do literally everything. You're a hybrid safety linebacker. Everything from blitzing and, and run stuffing to, you know, deep zone coverage is, is your area. A lot of these guys make it to the NFL and have to then become a safety or a linebacker and don't really get to do the job that they were best at, which is kind of a combination of both. A lot of them are undersized blitzers. You know, roles like that. Is there a role for these kind of guys in the Terrell Austin, Brian Flores defense? And that's interesting to me because Miles Tillebrew, his best seasons were with Terrell Austin in Detroit. He came to the Steelers. He didn't get to play much. He was a special teamer. He made an impact there. He made an impact on special teams. So he is a good special team signing. But he's played for Terrell Austin. Marcus Allen has played that linebacker, that safety in a linebacker's role for Terrell Austin here in Pittsburgh. Both these guys are being brought back. Brian Flores uses safeties in a very interesting way. He will frequently put a strong safety right up on the line of scrimmage. Right up there, like a linebacker. He puts his linebackers right up on the line of scrimmage, and he'll put a strong safety right up on the line of scrimmage, lined up right across from an offensive lineman. Now, that was where he played Minka Fitzpatrick. Minka Fitzpatrick did not like it. And that's caused some conversation of, is this going to be a problem for the Steelers? But in Pittsburgh, Minka Fitzpatrick is clearly the free safety, not the strong safety. When he was in Miami in 2019 and they were ditching everybody and, and you know tanking the roster, they had a 180-some pound cornerback playing safety. He was like 5'9", 185 pounds, something like that. Minka Fitzpatrick was clearly going to have to be the strong safety there. You're not going to put the 185-pound cornerback at strong safety. Minka was playing strong safety. And he didn't like being up there on the line of scrimmage. That's not where he shines. And 
I think we can see that. Minka Fitzpatrick in his play style is best when he can read the play and you know burst forward towards it. He isn't a player who plays good backing up. He isn't a player who uh, reads you know a man coverage type of thing. He's not that guy. You don't want him in those spots. That's not where he shines. That's not where he's valuable. Minka Fitzpatrick didn't fit that role, but he was the player who was going to have to play strong safety, and he wasn't bad in that role. It just didn't fit him. It's like Cameron Hayward playing nose tackle. Is he a bad nose tackle? No, Cameron Hayward can play nose tackle. He could play. He could probably play edge rusher. You could put him in T.J. Watt's role and be like, you know what, you're going to drop and cover a, lot, a running back. Cam Hayward could do that. Is that his best usage? Is that where he fits? Would he be happy in that role? No, that's not him. Can he do it? Yeah. He's good enough. He could do it at a decent level. Do it better than Jarvis Jones did. You know what I'm saying? Like, he wouldn't be the worst at it in the league. But that's not where he's best. Minkovitz Patrick was that guy. When you go back to Flores' time in New England, Patrick Chung played that role. If you look last year for the Miami Dolphins, Brandon Jones played that role. Brandon Jones had an interception. No other passes defended, just that one interception. He had six tackles for a loss, ten quarterback hits, and five sacks. He was also one of their leading tacklers. Top five tackler. That's the strong safety role in a Brian Flores defense. You're a blitzer. Brandon Jones was a pass rusher on 23.6% of the passing snaps he was on the field for. Mike Hilton, known for his blitzing here in Pittsburgh, blitzed a lot in Pittsburgh, never hit 19%. Brandon Jones was at 23.6%. Significantly higher blitz rate than Mike Hilton. Mike Hilton was mostly around between 11 and 15%. Had two seasons above that. Never hit 19%. Brandon Jones, as the strong safety in Miami, had 15 quarterback pressures. At coverage, he was targeted 18 times. That's the kind of strong safety play you're going to see in a Brian Flores scheme. Now, how are they going to mesh these two? Well, in Terrell Austin slash Keith Butler's defense, Marcus Allen was a guy who was usually assigned a man cover in, in man defense, was on a running back. Makes sense. In zone, he played a lot of short zones. In the special third down defense, third and long defenses that Austin would run, uh, he played outside near the boundary. He was He was an outside guy in a short zone. He would sprint out there. So you have... A player who who drops into zone, a lot of short zone, man coverage on running backs. In Brian Flores' system, the guy's mostly a blitzer playing really up close to the line of scrimmage. Well, to me, those fit. Those fit together. You can play a strong safety up at the line of scrimmage and say, okay, and now when you drop into coverage, you're dropping into a short zone. That works. Pick up the crossing the little short crossers, pick those up. You know, drop and be there to to mess with the angle on a on a on a slant route. 
on anything, a short in cut, anything going through the middle of the field, you just kind of mess with. That works for me. I, I think this really works. In man coverage, you can be a, a hug blitzer like Robert Spillane was really good at in 2019 and 2020. Like, be that guy who can, you know, come up, be coverage on a, on a running back, but if that running back stays in the block, you're now a blitzer. You add on to blitz. This is the kind of player that can fit both of these defenses. Marcus Allen and Miles Killebrew, depending on who the Steelers sign to be their strong safety, could either be a valuable backup in that role or could even see some snaps as a rotational specialist player in sub-packages. Guys like Marcus Allen and Miles Killebrew have more value on this defense than they appear to on just the surface. Okay, let's move off of that, and let's talk about the cornerbacks, because there was movement at cornerback. Steelers signed three cornerbacks. Uh, Levi Wallace, who we will talk about in the second half. Akella Witherspoon, who I also want to talk about in the second half. Uh, and Arthur Millette. We're going to talk about Arthur Millette now uh, with, some of the, with some of the group that's still here, because I want to talk about the cornerbacks who are still here. Cameron Sutton. He's gotten a lot of flack for his play last season, but honestly, he's a very solid number two cornerback if he's in a tough matchup you're gonna have to give him some help over the top and a little to the middle if you've got like a Tyree kill on him who's going to cut across the middle and just outrun him and get open have someone in the middle you know have some help there he's not going to be able to cover a, a top end wide receiver when he was the number one guy when when Joe Hayden was out it wasn't good wasn't pretty he's not that guy Arthur Millette's coming back Arthur Millett was a solid enough system, uh, nickel. Uh, the hope for him is that a full year of the system lets him improve his comfort level and his play, like we saw in his second year with the Jets, where he was more comfortable and played better. His advanced stats uh, will tell you he was worse if you look at certain sites, like Pro Football Reference, uh, but... Uh, there's there's some other sites where they cut out plays where you get assigned you're the you're the defender on record for a reception if you're the guy closest to the ball and there's a lot of times where that defense in the Jets got a lot better in the second season that Martha Millette was with them and there were a lot more like dump offs underneath where he was the guy tasked with as soon as that guy tackles it catches the ball run up and tackle him and that's going to get you a lot of receptions against it does it does that to everybody uh and it's misleading in the stats and a lot of the advanced stats makes people look a lot worse than they were when the system says give that up and then tackle the guy and they give it up and tackle the guy and they get knocked for it uh he was better in his second year with the jets hopefully we can see that they give trey norwood trey norwood came in and played a dime role uh, that was his role he played in college, a kind of cornerback safety hybrid role that Cameron Sutton played in 2019 and 2020. He shined there in college. He came in and played that exact same role in Pittsburgh. And he showed that he can play that role in the NFL. For him to add to that role and become more than just the dimeback in that very specified role, right, he needs to either take a show he can play the nickel, which means he needs to get better in man coverage and also uh, get better at tackling. He had a higher rate of missed tackles as a rookie. And he needs to show improved timing on blitzes and better sense of blitzing. 
if he wants to be the nickel. If he wants to be a primary backup for an outside cornerback spot, he's going to have to show better tackling as well, but really will need to work on his man coverage. He is not um, a great man cover guy. He can handle tight ends and running backs in man coverage. Can he take the step up to wide receivers? That's a big step up when you're talking about man covering wide receivers. TJ Watt can do man coverage on, on a lot of tight ends and running backs, right? You, you're not putting TJ Watt on a wide receiver on an island. That just doesn't work. That's what we're looking at with Trey Norwood. Um, Justin Lane and James Pierre, I believe, are still both around. They were competing for snaps last season. This year, they will be competing just to make the team. And that's even if the team doesn't add anyone new. And there's still still room for this team to add a rookie, add a big-name free agent, not just at strong safety, but actually at cornerback. They, they could add somebody still. That's my overview of the defense in the second half. Uh, we're going to take a little break right now, and on the second half of the show, we will look at Miles Jack. We'll look at Levi Wallace. We'll look at Akello Weatherspoon. And where do they fit in the Steelers' defense? So hang around, and we'll be right back. Welcome back, Steeler fans. I'm your host, Jeffrey Benedict. You're listening to The Cutting Room Floor. Cutting Room Floor is brought to you, as always, by the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts and BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. We have a couple new shows. I've been, I've been talking up our off-season shows, telling you to keep in touch, keep, in, you know, keep listening for all your news, everything. We've got a couple of new shows. A couple of new shows. I think they've uh, only had two episodes each. If you're listening to this, then you can you can flip back a few days in the podcast record, just a few podcasts, and you'll find them there. The first one, on Sunday nights on YouTube, Monday mornings on the audio platform, you will find We Run the North with Kevin Tate, where he takes a look at the Steelers and the rest of the AFC North. It's a new YouTube show. And you'll find that Sunday nights. You can go talk to him, get involved. He does a lot of uh, interaction with the with the audience. And you can find it Monday mornings on wherever you find this podcast. If you're listening to this, you know, this this is where that's where you can find it. Also on Sundays is an audio only podcast, Bad Language, where your very own Brian Anthony Davis of Behind the Steel Curtain fame, our podcast director, has his own show, Bad Language. I'm sure that's going to be a fun time. (laughs) If if you enjoy Brian Anthony Davis, you're going to enjoy that podcast. Let me tell you that much. So check all both of those out, as well as the rest of the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. And as always, click over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com uh, I'm gonna have art- I have articles coming out every week. I'm gonna have 
more coming out on, on the topics I'm talking about now with how people fit with the defense is something I'm really, really working on and diving into a lot of film work, a lot of time I'm taking on this to get it right. I, I want to have the best angle I can. So they, they, you know, my, my film room on miles Jack might even might not be right after he comes out, right. Right after he signed uh, that that's coming out sometime this week of vertex I'm doing with Dave Schofield. Uh, and then, you know, there's going to be more. All my stuff, all the news, everything you want. It should be, it really is your one-stop shop for everything Pittsburgh Steelers. You're going to find everything you need there. In the first half of our show, we overviewed what's left and the returning players and kind of where they are uh, to kind of set the tone for this, this part. And we're going to start with Miles Jack. Where does Miles Jack fit into the Steelers' defense? Last season, the Steelers had a problem with their defensive line and their run defense. And it showed a weakness and exploited a weakness in Devin Bush's game. And that is Devin Bush is that small, quick coverage linebacker flying sideline to sideline on a stop and running plays all over the place, like he did in 2019 in the first few games of 2020. But in 2021, with the defensive line unable to keep him clean, we saw how easily Devin Bush disappears when an offensive line reaches him, when an offensive lineman reaches Devin Bush and can get hands on him. That led Steeler fans, Steelers analysts to say, you know, one of the priorities for this offseason was getting a linebacker who's more of a Vince Williams, who can take on and shed offensive linemen, who can thump in the hole and, you know, meet that offensive lineman and stop him in his tracks. Well, the Steelers signed Miles Jack. Miles Jack isn't that guy. He's not. He's bigger than Devin Bush, taller and heavier. He's the same kind of player as Devin Bush. The Jaguars had the same problem with Miles Jack that the Steelers have had with Devin Bush. He's not a guy who can take on blockers and win the play. That's not his style. He's a sideline to sideline, drop into coverage, tackle running back, shoot through open gaps, make plays. He is not a fight through a block kind of linebacker. So how does he fit? In a Brian Flores defense. And this this is going to be the focus of at least one film room from me this offseason. But it, it goes really into Brian Flores' philosophy. Miles Jack is going to be on the line of scrimmage. He's going to be playing on the line of scrimmage a lot. If the Steelers go with any of Brian Flores' front seven stuff... Uh, which I think they brought him in to, to to do the front seven, right? And to mesh with Terrell Austin, not come in and just coach linebackers. That would be dumb. He's too good for that. Miles Jack is, I expect him to be used like a high tower, like a Van Noy was in New England, like he used his linebackers in Miami, where they had a bunch of guys with with four or more sacks inside, outside linebackers all over had numbers because of how Brian Flores uses them. 
Miles Jack will line up in the middle. He Expect him to line up over center as a nose tackle on certain plays. Expect Devin Bush to do that as well. Expect Miles Jack to go outside and line up outside TJ Watt on plays. Expect him to come out and line up where you would expect TJ Watt to be. And suddenly you see TJ Watt's in the middle, lined up in a guard center gap. You're going to see that. He's going to be all over the place. And this, this is where... This is where Brian Flores' defense and, and his philosophy of defense is, is important to, to note here. And that is Brian Flores is going to show you six or seven guys on the line of scrimmage. He's going to show you that. He's going to make you cover them. And at the snap, those players are all going to go forward and at least touch an offensive lineman. So that if Miles Jack is lined up over the guard, He's going to go towards the guard. Make the guard engage him. And whether he's actually brushing or dropping, the first step is to make that offensive lineman engage you. Because at that point, if you have six rushers and they have five blockers, one of your guys is released free. If you have seven rushers and they have six blockers, they have a tight end on the line of scrimmage, one of your guys is a free runner. If they have seven, you have eight, however many it is. However many people they put up there on the line of scrimmage to block you, you put one more defender. This is Brian Flores. And one of the things Brian Flores does is the guys who drop, the guys who drop off the line of scrimmage into short zone coverage, into man coverage on a running back or a tight end, those players first make an offensive lineman engage with them. That's the first thing you do. Well, why do you do that? That slows down the zone. That slows everything down. The reason you do that is as soon as you show an offensive lineman that you're not coming at him, they can switch. They can communicate. They can be like, okay, the rush is not coming up the middle, right? You've got two guys lined up in this in the center guard gaps, right, on either side of the center. If they're not rushing, as soon as they're not rushing, that center and at least one of the guards is free to go help other people, to communicate, to say, hey, you know, change up how we're blocking and let's 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 pick up the other rushers. But if they step forward and engage those offensive linemen, now those offensive linemen have to treat those rushes rushers as legit, whether they're rushing or not. And you see this a lot in Brian Flores' film in both New England in 2018 and in Miami afterwards, where the players come up, touch an offensive lineman, like two hands, boom, and the offensive lineman is going to push back. But as they go to push back, the guy just drops, runs away from him, and drops into a short zone. And you'll have multiple players do that. You'll have like seven guys on the line of scrimmage, five of them are rushing, two of them are dropping, but you don't know which ones are dropping. And the nice thing with the Steelers is you can drop TJY. You can drop Devin Bush. You can drop Miles Jack. You can drop Alex Highsmith. Alex Highsmith has an interception. He can drop into coverage, into short zones, and into man on a number two tight end, on a more blocking tight end kind of player. They can do that. And this is also where lining up a guy like Miles Jack outside of a TJY can work. Because if you've got your right tackle blocking TJ Watt, who's blocking Miles Jack? He's your free runner. And if you have, 
let's say, you know, if, if the Steelers re-sign Terrell Edmonds, let's just go with that because that's who played here last year. If they have Terrell Edmonds showing blitz and right up on the line of scrimmage and they've got Devin Bush right lined up over the center and you've got your the rest of your line there, you've got one extra player. And what if that player is Miles Jack with his speed and his tackling coming off the edge, completely unblocked, on the line of scrimmage, in a three-point stance, in a rush stance, just ready to go, pin his ear backs and go run straight for your quarterback and hit him. And you don't have a blocker for him. Now let's say Terrell Edmonds, or in a you know an ideal world, uh, a Tyron Matthew, Matthew is in man coverage on that running back and is showing blitz. And his goal is to drop into coverage, and he, he's going to go up, touch the offensive lineman, and then follow the running back, right? But if the running back comes over to help stop Miles Jack, well, now Terrell Edmonds is added on. Terrell Edmonds is added on now. He's he's coming too, right? You, you force the offense to protect more, to send fewer people into coverage, which means... Minka Fitzpatrick has fewer people to help, right? Those, those, those cornerbacks have more help. It's going to be interesting to see how all of it sorts out, how Terrell Austin and Brian Flores balance each other. But I expect to see a lot of Brian Flores' blitzes, especially on first and second downs. I expect to see that a lot. I want to cover Levi Wallace and Akella Witherspoon here. Uh, Levi Wallace, I did a, I did a vertex on him. You can search for that if you search. Uh, if you want to read the article and you haven't seen it, it's a film room I do with uh, Dave Schofield. If you Google or whatever search engine you use, Levi Wallace vertex, V E R T E X, you'll get the article. But Levi Wallace is is a poor man's Joe Hayden. He's not Joe Hayden, uh, but he can do 90% of what Joe Hayden did for the Steelers. He's not going to be the playmaker Joe Hayden was. He's not going to have the interceptions. He's not going to have the game-winning tackle. He's not going to be that guy. That's Joe Hayden. And even as an older player, Joe Hayden still had that. Even though he wasn't truly, in my opinion, a number one corner anymore last year, he was still a playmaker. Levi Wallace is also not a number one corner. But he's not quite the playmaker Joe Hayden was. But he's also coming in at around a third the cost of a Joe Hayden. And he is a player who can definitely fill the role Joe Hayden played on this defense. You can plug him in and say, you you go do what Joe Hayden did. And everyone else can do what they did last year. And we'll be fine. And that's true. You're going to be fine. And if he stays healthy all year, you'll be better off than you were last year. When Joe Hayden wasn't healthy a lot of the season, it wasn't quite himself when he was when he came back. Levi Wallace is that guy. He's going to plug into that role, and that's a nice that's a nice role because at four million dollars a year, right? Two years, eight million dollars. If you want to add another sa- cornerback, if you want to add a better cornerback, you can. If you want to spend more money at strong safety, at bring in a Tyron Matthew, you can. If you want to draft a cornerback, sit him early, and then see if he can start. You can do that because you're not, you don't have this big commitment to anyone. Levi Wallace can become a backup. 
He could be your number three guy. Come in in nickel packages and move Cameron Sutton into the slot, and your and your whole defense just shifts down one, and everyone gets better, right? Because they're in a lesser role, and they have a more defined role and and less responsibility. If you need Levi Wallace to start, and you can use those resources elsewhere to upgrade other things, fine. You're good. Levi Wallace can do the Joe Hayden role, especially if you bring in a really good strong safety behind him. That's, that's an upgrade on Terrell Edmonds, and Terrell Edmonds is a good strong safety in this system. But if you can upgrade that with you know a Tyron Matthew kind of player, then I think the secondary is better for it. That brings us to Akella Witherspoon. Akella Witherspoon, I'm glad they brought him back. I want to say that first. Akella Witherspoon is a guy uh, like Steven Nelson the first year he was here in 2019. Steven Nelson's role was deep coverage. You're the deep coverage guy. In pattern matching, you take the deepest route. Uh, you you have help underneath if the guy cuts into the middle, but you make sure no one beats us over the top. This year, he famously didn't give up a touchdown. In deep zone, he's going to be one of the deep zone guys. That's just that's just what they did with Steven Nelson his first season. Akella Witherspoon is arguably better in that role than Steven Nelson was, but in second in Steven Nelson's second year here, he took on more responsibility. He took on those shorter routes. He wasn't giving those big cushions. He wasn't, you know, passing people off underneath. He was covering them. He was tackling more. And he was still tasked with being that man in deep coverage. He gave up some touchdowns. He gave up a few more big plays, but he gave up a lot fewer first downs on shorter passes, which is big. If you're not not converting first downs, you're not going down the field to try and score a touchdown as often. Akella Witherspoon has never been able to take that step that Steven Nelson took in 2020. Akella Witherspoon has never been that guy. His tackling is still atrocious, both in form and effort. His effort is often laughable in tackling. He is not weak in short coverage, but he's better when he can just tee off on a guy and, and you know not have to worry too much about short yardage. In like third and ten in man coverage, Akella Witherspoon is, is just lights out. You're not getting a first down. You're just not going to do it. He is not the guy you want for your number one corner. Unless, unless you can say to your number one corner, you don't have to tackle anyone. And I'm not talking Deion Sanders here. I'm not worse than that, right? This is worse. If it's a wide receiver, like, naked screen, like Bruce Arians used to throw, where you had no blockers, you just caught the ball and, and tried to break a tackle, if you have a Kella Witherspoon on the outside, that's a decent play. That's a good play all of a sudden. Because the chance that you're going to break a tackle on a Kella Witherspoon is really good. It's a really good chance. So... Akella Witherspoon's at his best when he is in like a nickel coverage, when you can put him next to the nickel corner where a where a, a screen like that has to deal with a tough, strong nickel corner and can buy time for linebackers and safeties to get there and help, where he's not the guy being asked to make the play. And he can kind of be that deep coverage guy. You can run the pattern matching that, that Terrell Austin runs a lot and say, you know, whoever goes deepest, that's you, Akello. He's gonna lock. He's gonna lock him down. Fantastic, but that kind of limits him to more of a sub package role. We'll see again how. Well, I'm gonna say this a lot. We'll see how this sorts out. 
We've got a lot of guys in this secondary, especially at the cornerback position, who have specific roles that they're really good at and serious weaknesses when they're asked to go outside of that role. We have a lot of those players. How we make this work, how we mesh them together to take advantage of their strengths and limit exposure of their weaknesses, is going to be the story of this coming season. That's my show for today. Thank you for listening. As I said at the start of the second half, make sure you're checking out BehindTheSteelCurtain.com and all of the Behind the Steel Curtain family of podcasts. As always, I hope you have a great week. And go Steelers. Thank you.